All right, so let's inspect this house. I wanna show you what I do when I inspect a house. And along the way, we can talk about business and marketing and software and real estate agents and time management and all kinds of things, okay? So welcome to class. I'm Ben Gramico from Internachi, and I'm teaching a class in Colorado. It's the Colorado House of Horrors. We have other houses of horrors in Pennsylvania and Florida, but we have um, this online webinar as well. And we've got about 120 students attending. If you need to contact me or anybody on staff, we're all in one spot, natchiorg slash contact. We're actually spread out all over the world because we are an international organization, but um, we are available at any time for anything you need. And we're on natchiorg slash contact. And if you wanted to um, do an online, live, interactive training session at any time, they're all free at Internachi webinars, and that's at natchiorg slash webinars. And we record every webinar as well, so you can watch past webinars. And any course you take at Internachi is actually a college course. We have a college inside the organization Internachi. It's called the Internachi School, and we provide tuition-free courses for all of our members. So when you become trained and certified through Internachi School and get a certificate and get that credential, you can also take continuing education as well. And it's all accredited college courses. And by the end of this week, for folks in class right now in Colorado, you want to become a certified home inspector by the end of the week. And here's the link to it. nachi.org slash CPI hyphen requirements. I know you're going to do a lot of hands-on training. We split it about 50-50. There's some classroom stuff going on. You can see in the classroom right now, the House of Horrors. Every House of Horrors has a bunch of displays. You can get your hands on it. You can get your flashlight there. You can take pictures. There's also a house. You're going to inspect the house. Um, and uh, it's a lot of fun to inspect the house. And if you haven't downloaded a checklist or some software on your mobile device or something, we have software for you. So if you go to that link, natchit.org slash CPI requirements, I would recommend using our software. It's a checklist. So let me bring it up. So you go to this link and here's the six steps to certification and you get that credential. And step five is we want you to write four practice inspection reports. You can do that at the House of Horrors by the end of the week to fulfill this requirement to become a CPI. You click that checklist link, and um, I'll show you one of mine. I have a few in here, and these are, we did an update recently on the software, and uh, you're allowed to upload photographs into the checklist. So go around and um, use your mobile device, desktop. Um, when, if you're going to use your mobile device, you know, I turn it sideways. It's a lot easier that way. And... Like you can inspect the roof covering materials. We have oh, over a dozen different types of roof covering materials at the House of Horrors, but you can, let's say I don't have any defects observed, or maybe I do have major defect and there are major defects. And then I uploaded some pictures, here's some pictures here of uh, the defects that I found. And then you inspect the gutters and take pictures of the gutters and downspouts and the flashing and any roof leaks you find. And you go from system to system. The next system would be exterior. And you can use this checklist. 
And this checklist reflects the standards of practice, which is what we're going to talk about today, because every good home inspection is based upon the standards of practice. Talking about marketing to uh, Mario, um, you have to get your business online and you need a website. And uh, do not pay more than, oh, I don't know, 500 bucks for a website design. And don't spend any more than 20 or $30 a month. Um, do not pay anybody to manage your website. Don't pay anybody to get on page one. Don't pay anybody to do uh, crazy stuff that they're promising. What you want to do, especially if you're a new inspector, is you want to get your business online in the most affordable way. And so InterNACHI has negotiated with Inspector Website Builder. They're InterNACHI's official website design company, and they'll build you a website. Go to nachi.org slash website, get details, and then go to, uh, oh, HomeGage builds websites, Home Inspector Pro builds websites, Spectora builds websites, um, and an Inspector Website Builder builds websites as well. Check out um, the benefits of going to InterNACHI's official vendor. Let's inspect this house, okay? And again, if you have any questions, you're going to have to get AJ to yell at you, but um, let's do it. It all starts with the standards of practice. I would use that standards of practice as a basic checklist. The checklist of what am I supposed to inspect and not inspect, right? You're not required to inspect everything. You're not required to find all the problems in the home. You're required to inspect what's in the standards of practice. And so what is it? Well, the first thing you're required to inspect is the roof. Let's say I can't see the roof. Well, in this home, I can see the roof, right? I can see the front. You know, from the from the sidewalk, I can see the, the and from the back, you can the back parking area, you can see the roof. So while I'm standing on the ground, I can inspect the roof with binoculars, with my own eyes, with a camera that zooms in, with a, a pole, non-conductive pole, don't get electrocuted. Um, you can fly a drone, you can get up on a ladder. You're not required to walk upon any roof surface. Not required to walk upon any roof surface. It's dangerous to use a ladder, right? It's dangerous to do this. So this is my 28-foot uh, uh, fiberglass ladder, Louisville ladder. I used to carry big, tall ladders, 40-foot aluminum ladder for those barns and commercial buildings. You do not have to carry a ladder. The word ladder, the word it, you're not required to walk upon any roof surface. Let me just say that, okay? It's dangerous. Don't do it. But if you wanted to fly a drone, that'd be kind of cool. We have a training course about that. And AJ, who's in your class right now, he's taking videos and pictures of you. He's a pilot and uh, he has a pilot license to fly a drone. So why don't you ask him how he did it? Um, according to the standards of practice, I'm required hey, man, to- it looks like your video is a little off. My video's off? It looks like it's a little off from your voice. Ah, hmm. Let's see. I'm hardwired to fiber on my end. It's whatever that video program you're using that uh, next to the PowerPoint. The PowerPoint. Oh, you mean my face is off? Yeah, yeah, it's just your audio is off of it. Hmm. I wonder what I can do because I'm on Google Fiber, and uh, let's see if I'm. I don't have anything extra opened up. I'm not sure how I can. Mm, Maybe just. I can't hear you. Maybe restart the camera. Okay.
And plus, you don't need to see me. I can just turn my camera off. But the audio should be working. How's that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, it's still off. Okay. It's like a little delay. Is it uh is it like a second delay? Like, don't look at my lips. <laughs> it's like a second. Okay, who cares? All right. So here's my ladder. Here's my ladder. And uh do not do this. I mean, it's it's crazy, you know, to go up that high. But if I did go up that high and get on the roof, I'm taking pictures of it because I want everybody to know, right? I want everybody to know that I get up on a roof. I'm that type of inspector who gets up on the roof if I can. And that's part of my marketing. That's what's going to distinguish me from all the rest. And remember, according to the standards of practice, you're not required, and I'm not recommending it. But if we were friendly competitors, how are you going to compete with me? How are you going to compete with me? How are you going to compete with an inspector who takes pictures of being up on the roof? Because for me, I believe that my clients valued that type of service. So I was able to charge more, like Maria was talking about. Because if I could overwhelm my clients with pictures like that, I want everybody to know I'm up on the roof. I'm looking very thoroughly at these shingles. And maybe I'm finding defects that no one else can see, like that. Maybe that was hard to see from the back. But this is the major defects that I found when I got up on the roof. And so the shingles are just shot. This is a major defect. The shingle roof needs to be replaced, like today. You, they tried to repair things, and this is what a repair looks like. You don't repair shingles that are cracked through the material. You can have surface cracking, but when you have uh, material cracking going right through, then these are areas for water penetration, water intrusion. And so I take a, probably 50 pictures of the roof, but maybe eight, nine, 10 of them get into the inspection report. You really don't need to put all these pictures in there, but I will share them with my clients in the cloud. They can take a look at all of my pictures, but not all of them are gonna be in the report. And here's the lower part of the roof over the front door and back door. That's the same poor condition. So I'm required to inspect the roof covering materials. I'm also required to inspect the gutters. And the gutters, gutter in the back was filled, front gutter in the front is filled. I mean, there's tennis balls clogging the, the gutter downspout. So they're overflowing, I'm assuming. I'm required to inspect the downspouts. Now, as I come down from the ladder, I'm inspecting the systems and components as I move from the top to the bottom. And I'm thinking about how water runs, how water moves around a building, around a house, around a structure, how it's collected and controlled. And you want it to be diverted away from the house. You want that water away from the house. You're required to inspect the vents. So I know I have a ridge vent and I have a soffit vent. Here's the soffit. So I'm gonna take a look at that in the attic. Soffit vents and ridge vent, that's, that's great ventilation. So this is a picture from the attic 
Later on, I took a, uh, took this picture, and here's the soffit vent trays to allow air to come from the soffits and up through the attic space and then through the ridge vent at the top. I'm required to inspect flashing. That's where the roof covering material bumps into anything else. There should be flashing there, metal flashing, not goops of sealant or silicone or tar, but metal flashing. And so what I have here is step flashing with every row of shingles. There's step flashing here. You're going to learn this at the, at the House of Horrors. It's great training at the House of Horrors. The flashing is all screwed up. And this is some capping where the, the neighbor's roof is over here and my client's roof is here. And this is perfect. I want to see step flashing, pieces of metal flashing with every row of shingle if, if it's asphalt shingle. There's a missing shingle there and an exposed flashing and a nail fastener. And that's a, a potential water entry point there. So I'm assuming that this roof is leaking. It's actively leaking when it rains. And then the front roof um, has a piece of flashing here, but it, it's open at the top. Um, so that allows water to penetrate underneath. All flashing should be um, shingled down in a way. To, to, you have to think about water. How does water come down a house? If there's an open gap, It'll go behind. You don't want water to go behind. You want water to be shedded away in a shingle-like manner. I think that's what code says. So water can come down this brick and then go into this open seam here. This shouldn't be, this should be covered. There should be like a counter flashing here or some kind of covering, not sealant. It could be grooved into the masonry maybe. Something's wrong here. I don't care what it actually is. This is just wrong. I don't know what the solution is. It's not my job. And this is not sealed here. So you can get really detailed here as well. Even if I didn't have a roof problem like I do on this house, where the entire roof is just shot, especially in the back where the shingles are just cracking all over, I'd still put this in the inspection report as a defect that needs to be fixed because this is an area of water entry. And how do I know that? Because I've studied how in our energy courses, how water moves around a house. And you have to think about how water can move. You want everything to be shedding, like the siding sheds down through the shingles and the shingles shed the water away. And a shingle roof, it's not designed to be waterproof, just water resistant. So any roof can leak. So you want to think about how does water move? It's really important. I'm required to inspect skylights. I don't have any skylights. Chimney, I don't have a fireplace, but I do have a, a chimney stack for a uh, some type of heating system, I'm thinking, maybe gas heating system, maybe a hot water tank or a gas furnace, something like that. So this is the stack coming through the shingle roof and other roof penetrations. And that includes like the drain waste vent stuff, the, the main sewer line, the sewer stack, the vent pipe coming up through the roof. It's one of them there. And I'm required to describe the type of roof covering materials. That's easy. Asphalt shingles and report in need of correction, any observed indications of active roof leaks. And from the attic, these are future pictures. I get in the attic later. There's active roof leaks right there. These are watermarks. So the roof is shot, needs to be replaced. Uh, I'm not going to jump up and down and cause problems. This is what an old, this is what I'm supposed to do, right? Confirm, maybe they already knew, maybe had a guess or saw something. But as a home inspector, 
there's no need to get all excited. It's, it's a lot of fun for my clients. You know, I tell them with a smile, the worst things I've ever seen, you know, because I'm assuming this, this ain't going to kill the deal either. I'm assuming that they found this dream home and it has a problem and someone's going to fix it. Either they're going to negotiate this problem to be fixed before they move in, or they're going to go negotiate some money to get to fix it later, or maybe they can't. Maybe they just have to buy it as is, and they're going to have to fix it. Someone's going to have to fix this in order to keep this house in good shape. This problem that I observed during my inspection has to be corrected. That's my job. That's all I do. They can handle all the other things. How it actually happens later? not my problem. My job is to report upon the defects that I see and I deem to be or consider major. Cosmetic problems, little things, that's not required by the standards of practice. What I'm required to by the standards of practice is report upon the defects that I see and are major. If I don't see it, it's not going to be in the report. That means like I don't have to find every defect, right? Most problems are hidden and hidden in a wall, above a drop ceiling tile, underneath the carpeting. Can't see it. And most problems are not major, material problems. They're, most problems are like, well, loose doorknob or a leak and dripping faucet or something like that. This is a major problem. I observed it. I think it's going to be a major problem, right? If it's not fixed, it's going to be in the report. That's really your job. Your job is to find those big problems that you see and put them in a report. Knowing that kind of like relieves you of this burden that some inspectors may have, especially if you're new. You're not required to find everything. Not even required to inspect everything. Not required to find problems that may exist or could exist in the future. You're only required to report upon the things that you observe and you consider them really bad. That's about it. That's your job. And you are in great demand. And some markets are, you know, every home is inspected, right? Uh, they were for a little bit there during the market, like not the real estate agents were not recommending home inspections and that's kind of coming around and biting them. Um, you always get a home inspection, no matter where you are, every home should be inspected. Now, the second section of my inspection process is exterior because that's the second section of the standards of practice. That's actually the second section of my inspection report. That's the second section of the InterNACHI checklist software that we have. That's the second section in the home maintenance book, or it's one of those sections, right? So you start with the foundation of the standards of practice, which really helps you design your inspection process because you take that standards of practice and you incorporate it as a checklist into your software. And I carry the standards of practice as a checklist on my phone while I'm inspecting. Why? Because it does two things. It helps me manage my time and it helps reduce mistakes. I know what I'm supposed to do according to the standards of practice because I have it in my hand while I'm inspecting. 
and I'm managing my time because I do not, I am not going to write an inspection report after dinner. I am not going to waste my time. My time is really precious. And they make stuff to help you be efficient. It's going to cost you, but it's going to it cost you money to be efficient, but it's going to cost you a lot more in time if you don't. So you need software. You need software that you can hold in your hand that allows you to incorporate checklists to make you look really smart, to make, uh, it made me, uh, you know, I'm not that smart, made me look like I knew everything I needed to know in order to perform a great home inspection. And I managed my time. So when I was do done with the roof, I was literally done inspecting the roof with my software and taking pictures and video. And I'm done inspecting that roof and I'm done writing that part of the report. And when I start the next section, I've got one part done and I'm starting the next one and I'll do the same thing. I'm going to inspect and use my software and write at the same time while, while talking to my client because I want my client with me because I don't want to waste time at night after dinner asking questions by email or phone. So I want my clients with me to address all their concerns, all of their needs. I wanted them 100% satisfied at the end of this inspection. And it's not gonna take forever because I'm managing my time with software, right? So- Hey, Ben, we got a question. Yeah. Yeah, so I noticed that when I shadowed some of the home inspectors, they don't want the clients there right away. They wait about two hours, wait for most of the inspection to be done. And then when they come, they can just do a recap of what they found. That way they don't get slowed down in the process. What's yep. your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I did that for vacant homes. It was kind of fun, you know, because I could just run through very fast, you know, and then summarize the whole thing at the end. But um, I, it's really, I guess it's up to the inspector. I really enjoyed um, the time I had with my clients because essentially they're my neighbors. I took it more like, like a personal kind of thing. It wasn't just a transaction for me. It was a little bit more than that. And that's okay. You know, it's all up to you. But I really got to enjoy learning the folks and how they thought about uh, the, the transaction that they were going through and what they were really concerned with. And I wanted them to ask questions, really, really dumb questions. I wanted them to ask anything they wanted. And that meant I want them to show up when I show up. Actually, I showed up early and did the roof. That's the only system that I don't want my clients with me. Obviously, you know, I don't, I don't want them up on the roof with me. So I get there early and I do the roof first. And then I come down around the start time. The official start time is when I start the exterior. And I, I ask them, you want to go around with me, you know, or do you want to go inside? And they usually go inside while I'm inspecting the exterior and other systems. And I hook up with them like around the HVAC system. When I'm doing the HVAC or foundation, I'll hook up with them or toilets. And then we all meet in the kitchen. And so I think I'm more efficient with my time with my client there than without, but it's really up to you and that other inspection inspection company. Because that's the that's the actual freedom that you have. You this is your company. This is your process. You can do whatever you want as long as you do the things that we were talking about with Mario in the very beginning. You want to make sure that you are solving their needs. Uh, 
fulfilling their needs and solving their problems. You want to show passion for your work. You love being a home inspector. You want to bring value. You just want to overwhelm with the value. And I think that's really why I wanted my clients with me. I just overwhelmed them, you know, because uh, if I wait until the very end and we have some problems, like we have problems with this house already, I'm going to need more than just a few minutes with them. I want them to, you know, bring that in, you know, <laughs> think about it and talk about it and how are they going to solve this problem with the roof and because there's nothing really you can say to, to kill the deal. That's my experience. It's, it's really how um, it's handled, how you communicate. And so I think I need more time to communicate bad news than I do good news. Any other questions? One question. Uh, what kind of software do you use for uh, speak a little bit? Yeah. Um, you can tell the name of your software. No. He wants to know the name of the software that you use now. Yeah. Yep. Um, the, the ones I have on my phone are HomeGage, Home Inspector Pro, and Spectora. There are many others. There's Tap Inspect. I heard good things about that. There's a couple other inspection software things. Um, if you go to Inspector Outlet, their store, and click Software, they have a few suggestions there. Um, I like Spectora. Um, they, they've got some really great backend features like you would never think of that our reporting software would actually handle for you, like online scheduling. You put that online scheduling on your website and also has like text reminders, like, Hey, you know, we're, we're doing a home inspection. You remind your client and agent by text, all, all kinds of things in the back to manage, again, manage your business well and manage your time. And it all comes with the Spectora software. Should we keep going? Any other questions? Yeah? We're all good here. Okay. So according to the exterior, um, according to the standards of practice, the exterior, I got to inspect all this stuff. It seems like a lot. But really, the roof took me 15 minutes. The exterior is going to take me really like 10, 10 minutes top, 15 maybe, unless there's something major wrong. I don't think there is. Vinyl siding, brick, more vinyl siding. I'm looking for anything major like big holes or something loose. This was obviously different, right? It's a different pattern, actually, different design. So I'm going to tell my clients, like, this is cosmetic. It's still vinyl siding, but it looks like they patched it up. Something was replaced here and they, they really didn't do a good job. That's okay. But, um, and there's a little dent there, no big deal. And there's stone and brick and I'm looking for a major movement. This is the house foundation. This is the brick you know, retaining wall. I'm not really concerned too much about that. And there's a piece of loose siding here. I'll take a picture that I'll put it out in a report. That's pretty minor. And then, I'm looking at the how, remember the gutters were filled with tennis balls and they were spilling over and coming down the siding. And then this is wet here. So I'm like, hmm, whenever I see a wall like this, that's wet on the bottom, that means maybe groundwater is being absorbed, wicked in. If there's anything going on down here, like puddling, I don't want water to come into the house. And when I see water coming down and then coming down the stucco and kind of like staying here, I'm like, what? 
hmm, you know, just keep that in mind. Eve's soffit and fascia, that's the, that's the soffit and this is the corner area. I don't know why they call it eaves, but right here, you know, taking a look at that. You don't want your gutter falling off. Representative number of windows. Again, I don't have to inspect everything. Just a representative number of windows because you can't inspect every window. You could. You could. There are great inspectors who inspect every window. I just didn't have time for that. I just look for cracked windows. I can't, I can't actually on the exterior, I can't inspect, you know, you'd need a ladder on every window and you can't open them from the outside. And then, um, you know, I'm looking at this door, the slider door. I'm still concerned. Like this is really wet. All of this is, you can see it's just wet. wet. It hasn't rained for a while, you know, and it's wet. And so I'm looking at the flashing and there's no flashing actually. It's just silicone. They cut it, you know, uh, I'm a little concerned about this area here. I'll keep that in mind. I'm required to inspect all exterior doors. I'm looking for trip hazards. Looks good there. The top uh, minor rust on the lintel, no big deal. The bottom, I'm looking for any kind of tread problems or trip hazards. I always ring the doorbell. No big deal. I'm still looking at that slider. I don't know. I'm looking at how wet that is down there in that corner. Mm, I'll keep that in mind. Adjacent driveways and walkways. Um, you know, um, there's no trip hazards. It's a public walkway. It's probably not even the owner's responsibility, but I'll take some pictures for them and I'll take a look. Stairs, steps, ramps. I got some steps there and some porches, decks, balconies, carports, guards, handrails. There's really none of that at this house. And so the next thing is vegetation, service drainage, and retaining walls. Looks good. I mean, it's, you know, five feet in between the units kind of gravelly, kind of flat, nothing major, you know, going on. No problems, really. They're obvious. And then I have to describe a lot of inspecting, describing, and reporting, according to the standards. And that's vinyl siding. And then we got brick and some wood trim and masonry stucco. So that's the roof and the exterior. And by this time, let's say I... I used to do two inspections. I still do inspections. I just don't have clients. But when I do an inspection, I do two of them, one at eight and one at 12. Eight o'clock and 12, noon. That means I got to eat lunch somewhere. So before noon, before my second job, I eat lunch. Eight o'clock. Well, if I can get there early, I'll do that roof and maybe start the exterior and get all ready with my tools at the front door. So maybe 7.30, I'll show up, knock on the door, introduce myself tell them what I'm doing, who I am. The client's going to be here in a little bit. So I'm thinking about time. I got to manage my time, right? I probably left my house at 7, 6.45. It all, it all depends if you have a home office or a real office. You have to figure out the traffic to get there early, never show up late, do the roof, roof inspection, software, checklist, pictures, come down, exterior, first impressions, driveway, shaking hands, real estate agents handing out business cards, explaining the process. You know, you can walk around with me if you want to or go inside and take measurements of things. So I'm thinking about my time. And here did the roof and the exterior. Now it's about 8.15 if it's a, if it's a morning job, right? 8.15, and I'm going to do the heavy lifting now. I want to get into the heavy stuff. It all depends on what you want to do. You can go right to the kitchen and start in the kitchen if you wanted to. Or do the interior, open it up and clear. I actually want to get the roof done first so I can get there early. The exterior makes sense. And then I'm going to do like difficult things. Basement foundation structure. And according to the standard of practice, I have to inspect all that. 
and structural components that are observable. I can't see anything. Everything in the basement is finished. I go down the basement, there's the drop ceiling and drywall covering the walls. Can't see a thing, really. And this is a great picture. I'm, I'm so happy they cleaned up before the home inspection. Um, I, I do not move personal items. So if there's a hole in the wall right here behind this desk, there could be. Not my responsibility. I have to observe it and deem it, consider it to be a major problem. If I can't see it, I can't report upon it. So there are inspection restrictions in this house, and I want to document them. A picture is worth a thousand words. I want to document the inspection restrictions. I can't see everything. But what I can see, I'm going to take a look at, right? Can't see above the drop ceiling tiles, but I'll pop a couple of drop ceiling tiles and take snap some pictures, see if I see anything by doing that, but I'm not required to. It's impossible to inspect everything. But if you do see something and it's major, put it in the report. So just flipping through, lots of stuff in my way. I wanna do the best I can, taking a look at every nook and cranny, and then I get my moisture meter out. This is a basement. And here's a moisture meter. They still make them. And it's basically uh, a little, um, can you see? A little uh, proby thing. I don't measure anything. I don't quantify anything. I, could care, I care less about the humidity levels or moisture content levels. I'm not, I don't do numbers. All I want to do is make sure I have something that tells me this could be damp. So, so th this little guy is pretty... Pretty fun to have, and it extends as well. So I can probe above me and probe through the carpeting below me and hit the padding and hit the floor beneath. So that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get this moisture meter, I'm gonna probe around, and I'm gonna see if I can find anything that gives me a signal, ping. I get pinged right here. Wet, is it? Remember that slider door in the back I was concerned with? Yep. That's wet. You can see it's kind of like water damaged. Sometimes that's just, you know, some water damage in the past. No big deal. It doesn't mean it's actively wet. And But this one is. This is actively wet. I'm just getting a lot of water around this area. I don't know why. I can guess. It's not my problem. I think this is a major problem. I get my infrared camera out just to uh, for the shock and awe, I guess. I already determined it was wet. I can probably touch it with my hand. I don't need a moisture meter, but I love it. I use the moisture meter and I show my client what's going on with the moisture meter equipment. Sometimes the equipment helps with my brand and my marketing. Oh, he's the inspector who uses fancy equipment. He uses infrared camera. She uses this moisture meter to probe the, the ceiling tiles or the joists above her head or something like that, right? And I also have a moisture meter moisture meter itself so I can take even finer measurements right I can even go through um, tile to see what's behind the tile so equipment kind of helps me become a better inspector I think every home inspector should have an infrared camera if you're new make money first and then buy equipment but really infrared is we have an infrared training class it's an updated video training class AJ at the Colorado House of Horrors helped produce it. He filmed uh, certified master inspectors as they use an infrared camera. 
They train you on using an infrared camera so you can do things like this. You can visually show your client that I see things that you can't. Look, you think carpeting. I think major problem. There's water coming in. Not sure why. Should be addressed. Now, you're gonna, this is your dream home. You're going to buy the home anyways. So if you smell that musty smell, I probably, that, that's why, all right? How to fix it? Mm, you need a contractor. But I have something, I bet it has something to do with the gutter, right? We are already up there, right? And maybe the siding and the flashing, and it's not really kicking water away. So that's why I was able to increase my inspection fees. I was able to do things like this because I was able to see things that other inspectors can't. Let me say that again. It's really important because our whole, our whole process is based upon what you see. And if I can see things that other inspectors can't, then I'm going to charge more because if I can see things that no one else can, that's of great value. To my clients. So when we incorporated infrared into our company, Peach Inspections, we raised our fees because we didn't want to buy the cameras. We wanted our clients to buy the cameras. So we used infrared and we became better inspectors. So consider that. You need good software. You need good tools. Software is probably the most expensive thing. Unless you need insurance, that's probably another thing. But you need, you need, uh, yeah. We need a GFCI tester and a flashlight. You know how much money you can make with these two tools? A lot. And then you can buy a, an infrared camera or a moisture meter or all that other stuff later. Voltage tester. You need a voltage tester just so you don't have to touch an electrical panel or a wire that might be hot, right? To save yourself. These three items, you can make a ton of cash, a great living, using that this is not, this is a low investment business. You know, InterNACHI's courses are free. You're in a live training class, gonna pay the instructors, but man, you're gonna get incredible experience in five days at the House of Horrors. And you should use these tools to inspect the House of Horrors and use InterNACHI software free to practice writing reports, okay? Uh, where are we? So I'm required to inspect a lot of things and report upon things, especially active water penetration. Next thing is heating. There's a thermostat, there's a heating system. They don't make these anymore. I figured I'd throw this in because it was fun a while back inspecting this one. This is a draft, natural draft heating system where air goes up through the chimney stack. They don't make them anymore because they're just so inefficient. If you wanted to learn how to inspect a gas furnace, there's a checklist and you incorporate it into your software to make you look really efficient, smart, and reduce errors. And it's at that URL. Um, you can email me for the slides if you wanted to. According to the standards of practice, you gotta describe the thermostat location. There it is there. And the energy source. Well, it's gas. So there's the gas shutoff valve going to the furnace there. So I know it's natural gas. And the heating method. Well, the heating method is forced air. I know that because there's ductwork all over the place, plus there's an air filter. So I know it's pushing air around. And I have to report any system that didn't work or if I couldn't reach it. 
Well, this one worked. So I turned it on. There's a start off switch. There's the furnace. There's the ports, the flames, gas valve, chamber. There's the blower fan, the circulating fan. Shut off valve for the gas, shut off valve for the service. And there's the filter itself, wrong size, not efficient, not doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's dirty anyways. It's a low efficiency kind of uh, filter anyways. And it's got duct tape. These folks love duct tape all over the place. So there could be air blowing out of here. Now you really want this nice and sealed. And it's not duct tape, but it's mastic. It's like a, it's like a, a, a brushed on silicone. It's a thick kind of thing. There's the air conditioning unit on top of the heating system. And I got some duct work back there. I'm trying to figure out where the exhaust gases from the furnace go up into the chimney. There it is there. So it goes up. And while I'm looking for that chimney stack, I find this. This is not connected to the furnace, but is a duct and it's disconnected. This is a dryer. So while I'm inspecting one system, I'm actually inspecting other systems as well. So this is the mechanical exhaust for the dryer. There's a mechanical exhaust for the, for the kitchen, for the bathrooms, and for the dryer. And this one's disconnected. Thank goodness I have software because I could just jump from one system to the next because this is a major defect. I'm gonna, it's so easy to fix, but it's major because it's causing a lot of problems. Ton of moisture is being dumped into the basement. Oh, the last thing we want is more moisture in the basement. And there's a ton of uh, lint being, so we don't want a fire hazard either. either. We, want, we want this to go outside. Every me mechanical exhaust needs to go outside. Every kitchen should be going outside. Not usually, every bathroom should be going outside for short and every dryer needs to be going outside. So this is disconnected and I can jump from heating system to laundry in just a couple of clicks, take a picture, put in the report as a correction needed, disconnected dryer exhaust above the heating system, okay? So I go back, now I'm in cooling. Got to do the cooling as well, so I turn and run. Just for a second, I don't need to heat the entire house up to 75. I don't need to cool off the entire house to 65. I just need to hear it turn on and turn off, and that's it. That's all you're required to do. It's an old system, so I just want it to cool. And you can hear the refrigerant moving around. You can even touch the ductwork. If you're in Texas, you have to take measurements of the in and the out, the delta T of the conditioned air, which is silly. But take a picture of the cooling system. The fins are hit a lot. It could be straightened out. Um, I think it's you know an old system. It's getting beat up a little bit, but that's okay. Just wanted to turn on. You know, it doesn't have to be brand new. I mean, old systems work until they don't, and that's your not responsibility. If this system was working today and it failed tomorrow, guess who's responsible? Well, not the home inspector. Not responsible for future events. I'm going to report upon the condition that I both observe and deem to be a problem or not, right? If it turns on today, it might not turn on tomorrow. If it's not leaking today, it could leak tomorrow. Every air conditioner produces condensate. This is pumped outside. We just saw that. Next is plumbing. In my head, I know that I started at 8 o'clock in the morning 
and I want to be efficient with my time. I've done the roof, the exterior, the foundation, heating, cooling. Now I'm going to plumbing. I've got electrical coming up and I got to be in the attic at 10 o'clock because that is how I manage my time. You tell me a minute, you tell me what hour and minute in the morning, just pick something, 10 o'clock, I'm in the attic. And if I'm in the attic at 10 o'clock in the morning or two for my second job, two hours in, right? Uh, I know I'm doing really, really well. I'm managing my time. I'm inspecting everything. I'm writing the report. I'm answering my clients' concerns and questions. And I'm going to make money on this job. It's not going over. And I can make my second job, right? And it's possible to do that. We managed our time for 12 years. <laughs> you can do that. You got to. If you have two jobs a day, if you have one job a day, nobody wants to stay at a home inspection for six hours. Ugh, too long. Oh, I have a lot to inspect. Yeah, you do, but I have to inspect everything for that long. So what you want to do as a new inspector is practice. If you're a house of horrors, you want to practice inspecting those systems and components and find those defects in that house. If you are staying over a class right now at a hotel, inspect the bathroom 10 times with the checklist software. If you are at an apartment or a house or something, inspect your own house 10 times. Inspect your neighbor's house for free. You'll probably find a neighbor, in, uh, someone in your neighborhood that's a real estate agent. Inspect their home for free, right? Get a ton of experience inspecting homes so that you can be efficient with your time. And this is the water meter coming in, no leaks, shutoff valves, that's a jumper cable, bonding. It's a main water shutoff valve, I have to inspect that. Main fuel shutoff valve is on the outside, it has gas, that's the meter outside, that's the shutoff valve there. And water heating equipment. We have a gas-fired hot water tank. Looks like 40 gallons gas. There's a valve going there. It is 40 gallons. Cold water coming in through a shutoff valve. There's the controls there. I don't like things near flames, so I moved. Just moved this paper away from the flames. I don't like that. And when I did, ah, I see this. What is going on here? There's a flame underneath the hot water tank, powered by gas, natural gas, and it's ignited when it turns on and something rolled out. It's called a rollout. There should never be scorching on the outside of a heating equipment. And there is here. When did it happen? I don't know. Why did it, I don't know. But it's not supposed to be there. That could be hazardous. That could be dangerous. That could be an indication of something really, really wrong carbon monoxide poisoning or a fire hazard. This is not supposed to be here. This is not, this is not rust either, right? If it feels rust water tank or something, it'd be below. This is flame rollout. It scorched the outside. Something happened. Maybe it was just a one-time event. Maybe it's occurring a lot. I don't know. Major defect. Safety hazard. In fact, you may want to tell the occupant, you know, could be an immediate problem. So that's another problem we have. There's the flue connection pipe going to the chimney stack. We saw that. That's how you don't adjust this. I just have my hand on it. That's how you turn it. And that's the shutoff valve. That's the shutoff valve for the tank. There's a TPR valve. Every hot water tank has a TPR valve that should be extended to the floor. It should not be dripping, and it's not. That's good. 
So I'm required to inspect all water supply, including all fixtures. How do you do that? You just run water. You flush the toilets and you look for drainage. That's in the standard practice. You run water, you flush the toilets <laughs> and you inspect for drainage. So that's what I did. Hot water, cold water at the sinks, hot water and cold water at the showers, toilet flush, take a look at the tubs and the kitchen sink. So I'm, I'm doing an inspection according to the standards of practice. And I take a look at where I think of water coming in and water going out. Drain waste vent system. And those are the pipes there. Uh, draining sump pumps, we don't have a sump pump in the basement. Hey, Ben, we got a question. Yeah, yeah, good. Hey, hey Ben, so yeah. would you recommend turning on all the faucets and then going down the basement and see if there's any leaks? Or how do you do that? Yeah, um, some people, I did that for new homes. In an existing home, I figured people are already using the water. So um, if there was a major leak, I would probably see it. But a new home, I like to go up to the top floor, work my way down with the plumbing, because sometimes it's just not tested under conditions like that. And sometimes like the plumber literally forgets to connect something in the crawl space and the toilet is draining into the crawl space, which happened more than once. So on new homes, I like to work my way down. On existing homes, I basically work my way up, right? And I really don't need to come back down into the basement or to look for water leaks coming from the fixtures. But when I'm in a bathroom, I turn everything on. I don't have to turn on every fixture in the entire house, just the bathroom or the kitchen that I'm in or the laundry that I'm in. So I usually go to the sink, hot and cold. I just go to the um, tub, then the shower, and then flush the toilet while everything's running and look at the shower head. And if it's still functional, that's good. If it starts to go limp, the shower, then that could be a functional flow problem. I'm not going to diagnose it. It could be pressure or flow or fixture itself or something. But I'm just going to say, when you're in the bathroom and you got things going on, um, it doesn't perform well, right? So you're supposed to you're supposed to run two fixtures at the same time. I do essentially three. Sink in the bathroom. Sink, toilet flush, shower. And it should be functional flow at the shower. Um, in the House of Horrors, I believe we have a toilet that leaks into the crawl space. So wait until someone's in the crawl space and then flush the toilet. That's kind of fun. So Ben, the answer, uh, the question is that would you, if you start from the base and work your way up, are we losing opportunity that if we do turn on all the sinks, the shower, make sure it doesn't overflow, got proper drainage to go back down the basement to see if we have any plumbing leaks from down there? You, you so can. You, you can. I, I said, uh, like in a new home, when it's not really occupied, that might be a really great idea. I've okay. never needed to do that when it was an occupied home. Um, okay. Because like when I'm in the basement, I'm already looking for like water stains and indications that something is leaking from the plumbing from people living in the home for 10, 20 years. In a new home, it's probably a good idea to like go back up and down because it's not being, the fixtures aren't being used. Maybe their initial rough in was pressure tested, but no one's been using the fixtures. So it could be a really good idea to run the, really test them try to push them, try to make them leak, you know, and then come back down in the basement, like at the end of the inspection and look around for any kind of water problems, right? While you're inspecting. But in an occupied home, uh, you know, I'm probably going to see if there's a, a problem with the second floor bathroom. It's, 
it could appear in the basement. If it doesn't, it's probably not a, I don't need to go back and forth in an occupied home, but in a vacant home, I'm going to see if there's something going on. Cause no one's really, especially the whirlpool tub. Uh, no one uses the whirlpool tub, especially in an occupied home. No one, everybody thinks it's a great idea, but no one uses them. And when you use them, you know, I, I actually had a, uh, an occupied home, I still remember it because it destroyed my computer. Um, I filled it up, you know, jets, drained it. And then I'm in the second floor master bedroom, you know, looking at the windows and I hear yelling down in, downstairs. And it's never a good thing during a home inspection to hear yelling. I run downstairs and I could hear the water, you know, and it's draining out of the ceiling of the kitchen below the whirlpool tub onto my computer. So I know I got... Uh, I got computer problems, but really I have a water problem. And, you know, I run up, stop the drainage, but it's already going to drain. It's got many more gallons to go. Stop the drain, come back down, explain what's going on. And uh, the real estate agent wanted me to fix it. <laughs> no, no, you're there to, you're there to, you're, you're there to break things. So if anything leaks, or if anything breaks during a home inspection, if you hit the garage door opener on the wall and the garage door falls and all the panels go, uh, if you, um, I used to do this. If you grab one of the soft brass uh, drainage, um, you know, sink traps and it crushes in your hand, take a picture of it, put it in a report. Um, if you um, flush the toilet and the toilet, if you turn on a dishwasher, you know, short cycle and it leaks all over the kitchen floor, take a picture of it, put it in the report. If, you're, if your whirlpool tub leaks in the kitchen below, take a picture of it and put in a report. You know, your job is to find problems and maybe even cause them, manifest them out so that when your client moves in, it's not going to happen to them. So don't freak out if something, now if I have done this, like I knocked over uh something porcelain it was a porcelain vase or something with my elbow and it crashed i i and i totally paid for it. i uh tripped a breaker and i didn't reset it in a, a wine cooler right that was my fault right i could have reset it i forgot to or, or i thought something happened i can't remember but i bought all the wine right so take responsibility for the things that are yours but really like a a leaking water tub or something some kind of plumbing leak that you discover that's that's what you're supposed to do don't freak out if you break something, you know? So I didn't, I didn't take responsibility for anything that I didn't, wasn't responsible for. All right, shutoff valve down there, gas shutoff valve outside, very easy stuff. It's like a checklist, right? You just check it off. You're checking off the things and running water, looking for leaks. Now, what I did in my report is I grouped the bathrooms together. I didn't group the toilets together. I grouped the bathrooms because that's, I think that's how people think. So this is the first floor half bath. This is me inspecting it. Flush the toilet, see if it wobbles on the floor. Look at the sink trap, test the GFCI. There's a second floor bathroom. Toilet, sink, shower, tub, look around. There's a little crack there. I'm not too concerned. GFCI, plumbing access panel. It's all sealed up, painted. I didn't open that up. And there's a basement bathroom. Same thing, toilet. You get to do this process over and over again. It's just the same thing over and over again. Full bathroom down in the basement, has a shower. Now it's electrical. This is the last big 
system really that's you know difficult you know and look at this checklist this is from the standards of practice i'm required to inspect all this stuff and if i don't know what a service drop is or a service conductor is that's okay what is a service engines conductor right what is a panel board we have an, um, a couple courses that you could take free online college courses that'll teach you everything you need to know to perform an inspection really well so Service drop is the utility line coming to the house. So, oh, here it is, electrical service terminology. So you go to the electrical course and um, you learn, basically that's that's half your job. It's just knowing what you're looking at. I mean, if you know what a system is, right? Think of um, Think of a heating system. If you know what kind of heating system you're looking at, basically a system is, uh, it's filled up with components. So you think of the system and then the components and you inspect each component and you put it all together and that makes a system. Now, sometimes one of those components is not there and it should be there, that's a defect. Or one of the components is loose or is causing a leak, that's, that's a problem, right? So when you think of systems and components, then it's very easy to develop an inspection process that's repetitive. So every home is basically the same because you're thinking of a home filled with a bunch of systems and they're all kind of related to each other, right? But every system is filled with a bunch of components. And if you can identify each component of every system, then you know how to do a home inspection. If you can do one inspection, you can do many because they're basically all the same. And when you have an inspection process, you do the same thing over and over again in the same way, same way, follow the same standards, follow the same checklists, follow the same process, then a defect really kind of smacks you right in the face. Defects just pop out at you. If you follow a process, like for example, every bedroom I do is counterclockwise. Every room actually. It's counterclockwise. I don't know how I started that. I think it was because of the exterior. I go counterclockwise for the exterior. When I walk into a bedroom, I go counterclockwise. I go to the right. I go, I go, you know, switch, closet door, window, receptacles, window, uh, fan, uh, and then come out. And like a bedroom is like 30 seconds. I go to the kitchen and the same thing. I go to the every, so I have a process. And man, when I come to a window that has a crack in it, it just jumps out at me because it's the same. And it doesn't matter what home I'm in. It's just the same thing over and over again. So here's the same stuff I inspect for every home. Now, not every home has a overhead service conductor. It can have underground. But basically, I'm looking at things because that's what the checklist says to look at. So a service mast, there's no service mast here but it has service engine conductors at the big line attached to the house. It has electric meter in a base, yep. Service disconnect, that's at the panel. Over protection devices, those are the breakers. There's the main shutoff. Every home should have a main shutoff somewhere. Could be at the panel, could be outside, could be inside, could be all by itself. There's the breakers, they should be all labeled. They're not. This isn't unique to this home. This is a common problem. Every breaker should be specifically identified in detail. 
service and grounding, uh, service grounding and bonding. Very easy to understand when you take InterNACHI's courses and videos. That's the grounding wire and rod there, electroconductor. Bonding, we saw that before at the water meter. Every water line should be bonded, copper. So, you know, grounding and bonding, electrical, I think it's probably the biggest weakness in a lot of inspectors' skill set. So we have a course, how to perform electrical inspections course. Just take that and learn at your own pace. You can skip around, you can go over things and take quizzes over and over again. Just get really good at anything. You don't have to take the entire course. Just look at whatever you, you were kind of weak on and like focus in on that and get that down and then put that in your report. So if you learn something, you learn anything, it should improve your service. So like I, I was always writing and, and customizing and adding text to my report while I'm inspecting. Like, oh, that's not what I wanted to say. I can say this a little bit better. And I took those few seconds to tweak that sentence, that narrative, we call them, that sentence that helped me communicate my observations in my report. So whenever you learn something new, maybe it's on the fly, on the job, or in a course, you use it to improve the service that you provide. The report, that's what people judge you on, or how you think and communicate to your clients on the fly, on site. Representative number of switches and light fixtures and AFCIs and GFCIs. You know, it's all in the in the don't not required to remove the dead front cover. I like to, I like to see what's going on. I don't want a big fat breaker on a small gauge wire. It's a common defect. It's fun to find. It's easy to find. And smoke detectors. And there's a missing one, right? I think it was just old and they put this one here, but this is electrical only. This is a battery backup and the battery backup was missing. So if you have any missing detectors, smoke detectors, you should call that out. And the one thing on the electrical panel is, uh, I go through, is this. So there was a, a hole here, a missing cover. They removed a breaker or the, they removed the twist out. And the, like they didn't put, so you can stick your finger in there and get electrocuted. That's not good. That'll ruin your day. So that's in the standards of practice. It's a common defect that you can look for. And it's a very easy fix. So this is, I don't know, a dollar, but um, it'll save your life. So in these situations, right? I don't jump up and down and talk about how I'm going to save someone's life or, you know, someone's going to die if they put a finger in there or something like that. It's just a, a very easy fix, kind of calm, you know, and it needs to be done in order for this electrical panel to be safe. And you don't want, imagine the electric is off and you think it's because of a breaker down in the basement and it's totally, and you forgot your flashlight, right? You don't want your client to stick their finger in that, right? Or you don't want a kid to reach up and do something, you know, put a, um, a toy in there or something like that. So there's many reasons why you, you want this covered up. Very easy to fix. It's a major defect. It's a safety issue. It's got to be done. But I wouldn't go crazy jumping up and down about it. It's 10 o'clock. I'm in the attic. And when I'm in the attic, when I'm in here, I, I'm a happy fella because I know I'm heading to the kitchen to get paid, to make sure my client is totally satisfied and to be paid and ask for a Google review, right? Right then and there. Um, and we show you how to do that in your marketing class. So that's the attic. I can't, I can't really go in. I can't, there's no floor. 
it's hazardous. So there's there's ventilation and it's often vents, but um, there's watermarks. So this is the big thing. Like if the trusses were cut, I'm looking for cut trusses, but that's not the problem. The problem is to confirm with pictures that um, my thoughts of the roof being in really bad shape are confirmed by these watermarks, that the roof is leaking. The real estate agent may say, well, is there water dripping right now? No, it's not raining. Did it, did it leak last rain? I don't know. Is it wet? I don't, I don't care, right? This is, I don't, this, this could be completely dry, right? This is an indication of an active roof leak. That's how I would put it in my report. And indications of an active roof leak was observed during my inspection from the attic space. Correction and further evaluation recommended. Um, so that's the insulation. That's the pipe coming up through from the vents. So you got more. That's a good thing I didn't step on that. And mechanical exhaust systems, the kitchen fan just recirculates. Ideally, it would go outside, you know. You know, when I when I cook sauce, I like to get the garlic and I and all smoky in the house. I really want my exhaust to go outside. Um, and all bathrooms need to go out. So it's really by code as well. So you can think of building code. All mechanical exhausts, including the kitchen, should go outside, should terminate outside. And that's the bath fan there. That can't be a dryer because it would catch lint. Dryers are not allowed to have screens. Bathroom vents can, and that's the dryer vent there. So no screen. And remember, we have a, a defect anyways. It's disconnected in the basement above the heating system. Got to describe the type of insulation. Yep. And the approximate depth. Okay. That's easy. Doors, windows, interior. Five, 10 minutes. Representative number of doors and windows, floors, ceilings, walls, steps, guards, handrails. So I'm just going through. Laundry, it's usually like a separate thing. It's kind of incorporated in the entire standards of practice underwater and plumbing, but laundry, these hoses, they're not pressure tested. I want them pressure tested hoses, right? And the dryer is electric and it has to be a GFCI. And I really like a second floor um, laundry catch pan underneath the second floor laundry area underneath the clothes washer. Um, it's just a great idea. It's just a, a recommendation. It's not going to be a major defect. I grouped the bathrooms. We did this already in the report. So it's all together, one after another. And there's no garage. And I'm looking for problems with railings, the, the balusters, the spindles, photoelectricized in the garage. We don't have a garage. And any fogged or um, cracked windows. So I've got a bullet hole here, I think. I don't know if it's a bullet hole. Oh, there's my truck. So there's my truck next door. I try not to park where my client is going to park. I try to park a little bit away, even if I have to carry the ladders far. Um, two broken seals at windows there. The two helps me count so that I've got one window that's a problem. And then two, that's three windows that are a problem. And five, so I can count them uh, when I look at my photos, if I want to review them. And I'm just going through the interior, looking at windows, representative number of windows. Doors, walls, ceilings, light switches, receptacles, smoke detectors. And I'm working my way, whoop, second floor bathroom has a, a second floor ceiling has a, a leak there, an indication of an active water leak. So from the roof section of the standards of practice, I'm required to inspect indications of active roof leaks. And someone put that in the report. 
kitchen. I'm a happy fella because I'm going to get paid. I'm going to do a summary immediately because my software allows me to. I can I print it with a click of a button. There's a summary. I can even print it. I used to bring a printer, black ink, just print out a summary because the real estate agents that I worked with liked the paper and the pen so they can scratch off things. Or we're going to negotiate about this. We're going to not talk about that. We're going to do this. and then, Okay. Um, and then immediately I can do the report, and which is in the cloud. So I can uh, incorporate videos. And there's a little leak there. There's the dishwasher and GFCI protection in the kitchen and the stove, make sure it doesn't tilt over an electric stove, old electric stove, it turned on. And that's it. That was the, that was the home inspection. And I made $496 on that inspection. 500 bucks. You can do it on a Saturday morning. $500 on a Saturday morning. Now, if you have a full-time job for you new inspectors in class, great, be a weekend warrior. Compete with me. I hated Saturday and Sunday inspections. I hated holiday inspections. I hated the evening inspections. So you can do those, fill in those. Come to me in a chapter and say, hey, do you do Sunday inspections? I'll be like, nope. Well, I do. So don't say no. If you have a client looking for a Sunday inspection, you know who's going to do them, right? Try to work with other inspectors and take their overflow or fill in the gaps for them. Or maybe you can be a helper, unpaid helper or something like that and learn, right? So um, it all starts with the standards of practice. So we have a standards of practice course. Take that. That's part of the six steps to become certified by the end of the week for you folks at the class today. And this is the link to become certified. Take an exam, two courses, write four reports using our free software. You got to use this free. I know you have maybe software you like, but you got to use, because we're a school, an accredited school, um, you got to use our software. And then um, that's that URL to become certified by the end of the week. And if you're wondering about how to market your business, we just updated the home inspection business and marketing course. It's a really great course. It's a fantastic course. If you have any questions about anything, how do, how do you calculate a profitable inspection fee? That's chapter 11 of the home inspection business course. We go through two inspectors, Inspector John and Inspector Mary, and they're trying to figure out what do I charge? Has nothing to do with feelings. Has nothing to do with who's in your class right now. Has nothing to do with really what's going on in your chapter. It's all about math. And when we go through the math of how to figure out a profitable inspection fee for any service that you provide, that's chapter 11 of the Home Inspection Business Course. Go to our education page, natcha.org slash education, and you search for business. And the Home Inspection and Business Marketing um, course will pop up. You take that. Jump to chapter 11. Just do chapter 11. And then uh, there's, um, there's a chapter on branding and marketing trying to figure out what's going to make you different from all the rest. Because if you're the exact same as everybody else, then the only difference is going to be price. And lowest price wins. And that's no good for anybody. So what you want to do is you want to think, after I get trained and certified by Internet and I become a home inspector and I inspect my home and my neighbor's home 10 times and I get really good, I'm going to start marketing myself. But what do I want to say? I want to say that I'm just like everybody else. 
like a commodity that I could be exchanged for this inspector from that inspector? There's no difference. Or do I want to think about what is going to make me different from all the rest? What kind of value can I overwhelm my clients with? How in particular am I going to solve the clients in my market, all their needs? What am I going to do different? Right? Because you don't want to be the same as everybody else. You look up the word commodity. You do not want to be a commodity. You do not want to market yourself. That's why you use InterNACHI's marketing team so that they can figure out what makes you special and they're going to design marketing that brings that out so that you are not the same as everybody else. You've got something special to offer. So you have to figure out what that is. And there's an exercise in the home inspection business and marketing course that it's a mental exercise. It's difficult to do, but you have to figure out what are you going to do different so that you can charge a profitable inspection fee and make a really great living as a home inspector. No matter what you need, InterNACHI has it for you. If you want to work for someone, we got those resources. If you want to be your own boss, we have those resources as well. And that's why I wanted to share with you today. Is there anything I could do for you? Any questions that you have? If you ever need me, this is all uh, this is what I do for a living. I just help others, especially if you have questions. Just email me at ben at internachi.org. Ben at internachi.org. If you email me today, I will reply today. <laughs> I don't care what you ask me. If you're if you're in need of something, um, I'll find it for you. If you need to meet somebody, I'll find that person for you. Okay. So I really enjoy helping inspectors. I was a home inspector for a long time, and I've been training and mentoring inspectors for a long time. And um, our focus is um, to help home inspectors succeed, and that's all we do at InterNACHI. And so uh, I really appreciate you all being in class again please reach out to me if you need me, okay? If y'all need me, just yell out, okay? All right, Bye, everybody. See you.